When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world famous two-time champs and feel the power. It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, except for Jonathan Smith. The 12-Pack Radio, your podcasters for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model, and we are a Sharp College Football Podcast. Thank you for joining us. The season, the regular season, has ended in the Pac-12, but we still have championship games to cover. We have absolutely some you know, breaking Pac-12 news, maybe some more as we talk about this, looking at you, Chip Kelly, looking at you, Chip Kelly, as we look through some of the teams that... Chip Kelly's um, being are, retained. Is that right? Yeah. Good, good for him. I guess I don't know. Uh, what, what a mess! What a mess! Like, we that's talked be about. We talked about last week how dumb it would be if he like went and um, saved his job by beating USC and then lost to Cal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so look, look. We it was Thanksgiving week. We recorded. If you're following us on YouTube, you heard all the picks. It was it's funny, Rob, because it was like our best week dating back to like five weeks ago, where basically we were saying, "Hey, there's a real possibility that Cal wins." Um, and it would be really funny. And nine <laughs> points is too much. And this yeah. is the same. This is the dumbest game since the last year's dumbest game against Cal. Against, I mean, like th- that's what this game is. Um, we said there was a possibility that Washington State would win, and sixteen and a half was way too much, and that yep. and that knocked it out. And uh, let's start with UCLA. I, I didn't realize that they were retaining uh, Kelly. I'm worried uh, for a couple reasons. First. Uh, Dante Moore apparently is not happy and he's a mess and has been really bad this year um, as a quarterback for them. Yeah. Um, more importantly, Chip Kelly hasn't recruited. Well, I mean, he's done well out of the portal uh, last year, but this year, I mean, a whole new team, somebody that isn't committed to recruiting high school players. And, and we just, man, that offense was brutal. I just, and when you take a look, like the one thing that I forgot my bud Elliot was talking about like, Hey, tell us your, you know, your worst picks. My worst pick this year was UCLA because I thought Dante Moore was going to be good. And I kind of read all the two, four, seven sports stuff on him and thought that, you know, wow, with a legit five-star quarterback, you know, offensive line, he's got, he's got the running backs. He's got some interesting wide receivers, the thing, but like in retrospect, really the worst pick Rob was chip Kelly in the preseason. Because that cat does not care. And I no. just need to know that. Like we need to remember that next year. That Chip Kelly does not care about pre- like you know preseason games. I've seen air quotes because all the games matter in college football. But man, I just got suckered into that this year. I can't believe I forgot about it. But hey, what, what do you think about him coming back? I mean, I think with Kelly coming back, <clears throat> look, I fell into the camp of like, look, if Danton Lynn is coming back as DC, I'm interested, right? I mean, if you retain Lynn, um, <clears throat> then that's an interesting conversation. And I say that. Because over his career, Kelly has generally had good offenses, right? Um, 
So I think, I think I could deal like, it's not, I, I understand if you're a UCLA fan, like, and I do think there are perhaps <clears throat> to your point, like diminishing returns on Kelly in the era of NIL, because before NIL came in, he could do pretty well on the transfer portal. I think, right? Like I'm just, I'm not, sh- I don't know how committed UCLA is to NIL. Um, <clears throat> and if they're not fully committed and chip Kelly is continuing his op- experimentation. Yeah. I mean, high school <laughs> recruiting is optional. Um, approach then you're in trouble um you know but i do like i look i don't think i would be i would be surprised now i mean they're probably going to take a little bit of a step back on defense right we'll see how much um but i if lynn's coming back i i think it's an interesting i i think they're an interesting team i don't think that they're like a threat to win the big 10 championship but kelly generally produces top 25 offenses and sometimes top 10 offenses if you had a top 10 offense with the defense that they have this season they're probably the second best team in the pack 12 <laughs> and like well, i mean like i mean like that that's how good the defense has been this year um like if you took last year's UCLA offense and put it with this year's UCLA defense, you have a playoff contender, weirdly enough. Um, but I, I, the, the, the part that gives me real pause, I think is one is like the, you, as you alluded and we hit on it again is the recruiting and, and the quarterback. I mean the, you know, he, he wasn't more, wasn't good this year and it wasn't like Dorian Thompson Robinson, not good. Right. It was like, really not disaster like Um, if you bet on ucla in games you're throwing your hat at the tv yes the the line i mean the offensive line was horrible and they had been able largely over kelly's tenure in westwood to be able to patch it together and i you know and they lost a bunch of guys and in the preseason i think i said like i have faith they'll figure it out and boy was i wrong (laughs) (laughs) you know like um well, because they had figured it out in the past. I mean, and sometimes with not a lot of depth and not, I mean, like, and, and they absolutely did not, they absolutely did not this year. Um, it is, I mean, but let's not, I mean, most of the big 10 is freaking terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like, I mean, most of like UCLA as they are currently constructed would be favored over most of the big 10. So like I, the part that I don't understand is that people are like, it's going to get a lot harder next year. I mean, the PAC 12 is much better conference than the big 10 this year. Um, and I think they're going to be like UCLA would go in favored against the whole big 10 West. <laughs> <And> <laughs> That's right. Like everybody except you know, Ohio state, Penn state and Michigan and the big 10 East, maybe Maryland. I mean, that'd be a toss up this year. Um, you know, or, um, and Rutgers has been improving oddly enough, kind of sneaky under the radar. Um, but yeah, I mean like, it's not, it's not horrible, but like, I, I do feel like it's probably like Kelly this year probably is that, that sets Kelly up where he needs to have like eight or nine wins next year. I think he, I think he has to have like he, like actually produce next season to to stick around. Even like I, I also figured like Kelly was going to stick because he's on a cheap contract. What um, what would the model put the line if it was Penn State versus UCLA on a neutral field? Let's pull that up. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested in that because I and the reason I ask is I agree with you where I do think that UCLA will be competitive next year. It's just if if they have a full team, 
Um, my yeah. big worry is that the, like this team is going to fall apart. Like, right. I think the Murphy twins are gone to Toya is probably gone. Um, yeah. Latu's gone. gone. He's gone to the NFL. I mean, no, they're going to have to like, <laughs> so this season it would be Penn state by about 14. And I, I mean, and, and UCLA, I mean, to be clear, like UCLA has fallen all the way down to 38 overall. But I mean, I tell you, like if Lynn's gone, like all bets are off. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, if Lynn takes off, I mean, he's probably like, Lynn's probably going to get an offer to go back to the NFL. Um, and he may be holding out for that, but if Lynn's gone, then, um, there, then you have a lot of problems because like, not only do you have the personnel losses, you have the coaching loss on the defensive side. Um, and they really couldn't get it going, you know? And, and a shout out to, Kelly for making the hire. I mean, that, that's a yeah. good hire. That's part of being a manager. Part of being a head coach is finding good talent that can work with you and, and be able to develop your different sides of the ball. Uh, and, and, you know, I think the one thing with that Rob, I think you and I are of the same mind. I philosophically look at college football the way Chip Kelly probably looks at football where it's like, I want to deal with NIL. We're one of the best universities in America. I, I like football, but it's not like my life. And I want to right. tinker around and see and see what I can do. Like, and like you see, look, if you're a UCLA fan and you're willing to do the Chip Kelly experiment experience where he's just dabbling with different things, like our friend Hippleday was basically doing film review on his first two years. And he, he literally is like, Chip Kelly uses a different, not play calling scheme, playbook every game for two years yeah. where he would just roll out a completely different offense. I have no idea what he's doing. If you're okay with that UCLA as they go to the Big Ten, fine. Like, you know, football is football. I mean, at least he isn't Mick Cronin and he isn't yelling at like 18 year old, like, you know, boys still. I mean, I guess they're men, right? Like, they're, they're giant. But like, I don't know. His demeanor on the sidelines, fine. He doesn't like people wearing the wrong colors during away games. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just a little frustrating. It's, I guess I'm more frustrated because he, he handles college football the way that I would probably handle college football where I'm like, yeah, this is important, but it's not life. Uh, and at the same time, there's just that, that team could be better while he still kind of has that same philosophy. I think, I think that's kind of where my frustration lies with him. Uh, yeah. anything else on UCLA before we move on to Jonathan Smith? Cause that, I mean, that's the big, that's no, really no. Big I mean, move. I think we covered it. I mean, like it's, you know, like, it's, I mean, a lot of UCLA, I, I would say a lot of UCLA fans were fully ready to move on. Uh, real fast, Arizona looks like Jed Fish is about to sign a contract. Have you read any of this stuff? Like I, I've seen, I thought he'd be gone. And, and the reason we bring it up is because, man, Arizona had a really good year this year. Um, and what Fish has built at Arizona, I think a lot of teams would want that for their program in terms of, he's like the opposite of Chip, Chip Kelly. He's, he's focused on NIL. He's trying to do what he needs to do to build a long-term football program. Um, but he's also at Arizona where somebody could throw a boatload of money on him and he would jump. Do you, have you seen any of the reports if he's coming back yet or not? I have, I've seen, I mean, I've heard, I've heard rumors of a contract extension um, as well as an extension for, I mean, as well as raises for his staff, um, which is what you'd expect, right? Like given the year and the trajectory that they've been on. Um, so yeah, I think the, uh, I, I would say, I mean, I would expect at this point him to sign that. I mean, I'm trying to think of like Mississippi state's been filled, you know, they, they got uh levy from Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's been filled. <laughs> um, 
you know, like Michigan state's been filled. UCLA is not going to open. Um, you know, and, and we're at the point, I mean, this is firing season. Like, I mean, unless somebody, and I don't, I, I, I don't think anybody's getting poached to the NFL where they're going to go get where that school is going to turn to Jed fish. Right. Um, I don't think he would have been a real con I mean, it's funny because like I don't think he would have been a real contender if for the AM job with Elko sitting there because they basically have like the same experience, right? Like they were coordinators, then they got their job, and Elko's done a fantastic job with Duke. But Elko also used to be the DC at AM and was really good at it. Yeah. So he has connections, right? Like he's gonna get that gig. Um once once apparently Mark Stoops was like burned in effigy in College Station. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, probably would make it higher, but uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. Because you you think that the oil guys, I mean, they talk a big game. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, money's no object, and they're like, oh snap, we got to spend eighty million dollars to buy out Mark Stoops. Like, I think that probably had a I think yeah. that was a little bit of a, a, a big cat no cattle in terms of that money that they are throwing around. I mean, and I don't like. I don't think. I don't think Napier's done at Florida yet. It's not going well. Um, but Fish has some. I mean, he was he he's a Florida alum. Um. You know, like, and I, but I like, he's, I mean, Indiana can probably reach into the bag of money and maybe pay him more, but I, it's hard to see him taking Indiana. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, and, and truly like, I mean, Smith, I mean, that Michigan state job is that like people, people don't realize this. That is a really good job. Um, it, they have a, that athletic department has a ton of money and they're about to get more. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like they're a fundraising machine at Michigan State, um, and so even though like the program has been down and they've definitely not made some kind of like you know some strange hires sometimes, um, but, I mean Smith is not going to want for any kind of resources in that gig. But like you know he's not. I mean that that was probably the best job that I think Fish would get considered for, and that got filled by Smith, who has a longer track record. Um, so it's hard. It's hard to see unless something crazy were to happen. Like because a lot of people had him pegged. Like if Chip Kelly went to, um, I mean got fired. The Fish, yeah. I mean yeah, went off bed, to play play golf to or for a nap. Yeah. Went off to went off to play golf and not have to talk to the media all the time. Um, like I, if that fish would get that gig because he was at UCLA, he was the core, you know, offensive coordinator and you know helped turn around the offense. And I could see him taking that job. Um, but I, I think Arizona's. I mean, like, I mean, Arizona should throw as much money and get as big of a buyout as they can because I'm. <laughs> He's he is like if he has another really good year, he's going to be the top candidate for a lot of jobs next season. It's a legit program built. I mean, it's exactly what Smith did at uh, Oregon State. It's what we're seeing Dan Lanning. I mean, obviously Lanning's doing it at a higher level, but it's yeah. what, like there's a culture that this isn't just oh we have a good quarterback. It's not a Jimbo Fisher, right? Oh, yeah. I have a, a you know a generational quarterback, and I'm going to cash that in uh, or Lincoln Riley. <laughs> um, the uh, the I'm I'm just I'm interested to see what happens there. I'm interested to see what happens with, uh, and we'll talk about Smith because that that is a really big move. Kalen DeBoer, right? I mean, you want to talk about hiring somebody? That guy has won everywhere he's gone. Yeah. And we talk about Washington going to the Big Ten. That's true, but they are not going in at the same amount of money that other <sighs> programs have in the Big Ten. I'm curious to see what happens. And if he stays at Washington, that's awesome. Like by the end of the year, that would be really 
great for uh, the Big Ten, not for the conference anymore, but for the Big Ten and for Washington uh, to keep him there. But he's somebody that can get picked off. But let's talk Jonathan Smith. I'm with you. Like, you can't look if you're an Oregon State fan and Twitter is Twitter. So some people are angry and all that stuff. But look, this guy just got paid with like capital letters with with the exclamation yeah. points at the end. And like that's I mean, there are real world consequences to what happened in the Pac-12. And uh, if I recall, like the Oregon State uh, president was one of the like biggest supporters of Larry Scott. So here we go. Right. Here's a consequence yeah. of that. Um, I, I mean, it's that like I really hope Oregon State gets that bag of money from the lawsuit and is able to pick themselves up. What Smith has built in Corvallis is a real program. The problem yeah. is he's taking his whole staff with him. I mean, Malchek's going. The one he, person he isn't, I, I noticed, was the defensive coordinator hasn't followed him yet. So that, that's an interesting. I mean, there are some people staying on. I mean, so there's always this thing of like some folks stay on, sort of caretake the program through the bowl, and then they come later on. Um, uh, yeah. and so Bray may be coming. He may not. Bray also is probably a really like is probably the leading contender maybe to get the job, um, that's currently on that staff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would expect, I mean, like <clears throat> according to folks that know around, like, I mean, they're working off a small list and they're trying to move quickly, but they're in a, they're at a whore, I mean, Oregon state is in a horrible, tough spot. Um, you know, you can't blame Smith for um, choosing to keep coaching at the power level, right? I mean, like Oregon State is un- unfortunately um, likely playing a mostly Mountain West schedule next year. Um, and you can't, bl- I don't think you can blame Smith, you know, for in the long run deciding that he, he, you know, he wants to keep pushing towards, you know, seeing whatever his ceiling is as a coach. Right. Um, and he'll, like I said, like he'll have that shot at, at Michigan state. Like they have done, like even before the big 10, like they have dumb amounts of money. Like they are, they are one of the, when like they, they put out the athletic department, like revenue reports, like they, 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 they pull money in and spend it. <laughs> well, we'll keep a look at, see what happens with Oregon state. Um, you know, that, the uh, the dominoes are starting to fall in regards of what is going to happen to Oregon State and Washington State. I worry about um, the. I mean, I worry about for both of those programs, more so for Oregon State. I think of is the the transfers, right? Is the potential that the roster really thins out to collapses? Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think with Washington State, it's almost good that they ended up six and six, right? Because I think if they had an eight and five season, Dickert's gone. Like, yeah. And, and he might still be gone. I mean, who knows, right? We, we don't know what's going on yet. But um, it looks like for now he's going to stay. And that program has the pieces still. I'm, I'm curious to see where Cam Ward goes or if he stays. I, I think he has one more year left, right? He graduated too. So he can enter the transfer portal again without sitting. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, anything else on coaching before we, we head into the championship games and just kind of do a quick recap of what happened last week? No, I mean, I was expecting USC's defensive coordinator I hired to maybe start leaking out sometime soon. <laughs> you think that you think they get Dave Aranda? I mean, that's that's the move, right? Is Aranda not? Is he done at Baylor? Oh man, did they not fire Dave Aranda? Oh, you're right. He's back for an extra year. Never mind. Yeah, that's, that's a name off the board. Huh. I mean, the name they've been throwing around is Jim Leonard. Like that's the one that has all the steam with. Um, USC fans. 
Uh, I mean, it'd be good hire. He was really good at DC at Wisconsin for the majority of his tenure. Um, so that'd be, I mean, that would be a good get. It's just, I mean, like he's not currently really employed. You'd think they'd have been able to get that one done. Man, that, that program is, is in some, is in some, Remember, like it's funny because like if you would like he did you see that interview he did with the athletic and he no. basically sort of like he basically sort of said like man year one it turned out like we got really lucky and like with and, and we piled up some wins um and it maybe set expectations too high because there were still a lot of problems on the roster um which somewhat fair <laughs> But I, I just, I like cry. You cannot like somewhat fair, but, um, I just, you cannot, if you're USC complain about your roster, unless you're like, (laughs) like you're just, unless, unless you are, um, unless you are legitimately knocking on the door of a championship and you have, and you do have a roster problem you have to fix for the playoff or something like that. Nearly. I mean, I, my guess would be eight or nine teams in the pac 12 would trade rosters with USC and get an upgrade. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, it's only Oregon that you're sure, <laughs> right. Has a better, like I think Oregon does have a better roster. It's only Oregon. You're sure has a better roster. Um, I think a lot of coaches could have taken what USC had this season and done more with it than Lincoln Riley did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what, like, it's funny cause they go to the antithesis of the PAC 12 next year where everybody plays defense, but nobody plays offense. Yeah. So that's just interesting. And, and let's see what happens with the quarterback. You know, is Malachi Nelson like the guy or is he not? Or is he Dante Moore? Cause if he's Dante Moore, holy smokes. That could be really rough, really fast. All right, he be, he better be do. He better take all the first team snaps and bowl. Otherwise, like <laughs> this is this isn't going to be bad. I'm going to have a lot of money on not USC in that bowl. Like, <laughs> just really. The, the bummer is they have them slated to play in Miami, and I'm like, oh no, that's like the no. one team I don't. <laughs> No. <laughs> it's like it's like in the NCAA tournament where they play the two mid majors that are awesome together, except the opposite of that. Where like yeah, they, they play the two crappy teams that uh, you know if you, they played anybody else, you'd bet against them. Um, all right, let's get into the championship game. Let's talk a little bit about the final week here, and let's do it right after this. Okay, we're back. We did week thirteen. Let's start. Let's start with the Civil War. We'll kind of breeze through these a little bit, um, and then we'll we'll get to the championship game, obviously, which is the the highlight here, and maybe do a few other games. Um, Oregon thirty one, Oregon State seven. This game, I mean, we we took Oregon. Um, this game was basically the way we thought it was going to go, where Oregon is just the better team, and the offense was pretty good. Bo Nix continues to impress, and Oregon State's offense. I really do think that the injury to that guard mattered. Um, because they really couldn't get much going on the ground. Uh, DJU threw, I think it was two picks. I watched the majority of this game. I, in my head, it seemed like he threw five picks, but I think it was just two, uh, only one. All right. It was a little bit uh, better than I thought. Um, I mean, Damian Martinez, 13 for 38 gross. Yeah. Right? That, that's, that's a good front seven for Oregon. And I just don't think DJU and the offense that they have, is good enough to play a really good defense. They're just, they just don't have the pieces. They don't have the downfield threat. And 
I don't think Oregon's secondary is great, but um, I don't think Oregon State's wide receivers and passing threat is is great. That either. was the real so problem. I, yeah, I mean, like we talked about this in the preview. I mean, this is a really bad matchup for Oregon State. Um, you know, they depend so much on running the football. Oregon is excellent defending the run, <laughs> and um, and they're they they're a little more susceptible to games against the pass, and they just they you know, Oregon state lacks if they had, I mean, on a couple of those, I mean, they had some one-on-ones and Oregon played, you know, a lot of man. Um, and they just did not, I mean, if they, if they had one receiver, you know, if they had, you know, if they had two genuine outside receivers, <laughs> like it's a bit of a, it's probably a bit of a different story because you could throw some jump balls up there in one-on-one coverage and, and get some yards, um, and actually punish the ducks, but they, they could not, the, and, and with no, I mean, with no real ability to, to run, you know, run the football, they were in a, a lot of trouble and look, I mean, the defense is like we talked about, like the defense is fine. It's not great. Um, but they, you know, like they're going up against what is currently the number two offense in beta rank and that is rolling and that was not going to go well. Can you guess what Troy Franklin's stats are? Touchdowns and yards? I cheat. Yeah. I'm looking at it, but <laughs> I just, while you were talking. Did he have curious. 145 yards and two touchdowns? Oh, no. I mean, on the season. Oh, on the season? Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. No. 13, 49, and 14 touchdowns. Oh, my God. Pretty pretty darn good. Yeah. That is really good. And it, I mean, and a that's huge great. step up for the Ducks, who like have often yeah. recruited, who have often recruited well-regarded wide receivers who turned out to do nothing on that's the right. like, And it's not nothing. I mean, I'm sure Oregon, some Oregon fans going to come find me on Twitter. No, no, like, no come remember, at me. It was nothing. Do you remember this one time like at band camp yeah. when this, you know, like, like, no, I don't. Right. Like clearly it did not stick out of my head. It's like a terrific season, right? Like the very best Oregon teams have often been running the football and this year they can really throw it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a big breakthrough for them. It's one of the reasons they're in contention for the conference and for the playoff. Uh, Franklin's been good. They have other good uh, wide receivers there as well, but obviously he's the one that stands out. Um, let's do this. Uh, Cal 33 UCLA seven. Now to be fair, Garbers went out and Dante Moore sucks. And that yes. was the story of this game. Basically the, I guess the thing for me though, I know they couldn't move the ball and field position was bad. Um, but 30, you gave up 33 points to Cal. It's not like Cal has a really good defense. I mean, the offense is like weirdly, and we called this, you know, saying like, hey, Spadaval's a really good hire. Like this could be, you know, better offensively with a decent OC in place. Um, But, you know, like Cal's defense, like Wilcox has lost his fastball. Um, And... You know they're at they're at forty five currently in beta rank on defense. Like UCLA is at eighty eighty two on offense. Oh my god, and one hundred and twenty three in special teams. Like that's another one. Like if like UCLA's struggles kicking field goals, legendary. Uh, Carson Steele twelve for fifty three, Harden ten for forty seven, um, and that includes a twenty four yard run. I mean, like. Yeah, that's all. That's bad. That's yeah. especially against Cal. And you're right. Not a great defense, but six and six for Cal. They close strong. Uh, this team is still dumb. 
but it is a competent dump team, and um, and that's a big win for them headed into the season. They get to go bowling, which is great. Like they exceeded my expectations. I thought they'd go, you know, four or five wins, but six and six is pretty darn good to close out the season. Um, and they should have beaten U- uh, USC also. So, uh, and well, everybody should have beat USC that that lost yeah. to USC this year. So. <laughs> Hey, well, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I thought that was an interesting result. Obviously, um, you know, we both had Cal, but that that was, uh, I mean, Notre Dame 56, Stanford 23. If this was played in one quarter, man, Stanford had a great game. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's a bummer. Like, if you go back and look, I mean, we kind of basically said if Stanford covers, it's because the game got out of hand and they were just, you know, like some stupid touchdown at the end of the game. They did get a stupid touchdown in the fourth quarter, but they still didn't cover. I mean, anything to cover Stanford. It's, they an, moved it's annoying. This is one of the ones that Circa hit on the nose. Circa had it at 23 to open and it was at 23. And I was like, we were this close to the dumb Stanford backdoor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. They needed like one more field goal. <laughs> like just any, like anything Stanford that like I could have, we could have looked real good if Stanford would have just, you know, Done, done the, done their job. That's right. That's right. Uh, in the territorial cup, Arizona 59, Arizona state 23. Look, this, the, the score, um, reflects where ASU was injury wise. Um, I mean, Arizona, Arizona probably wins this game regardless. Like that offense looked really good, but I mean, they had Jane like Conyers back there, like half the time they had cars, uh, 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 was taking snaps. They put in Jaden Rashada, and I didn't think that was a good idea. He threw like a pick immediately, and just—I mean, you could tell like this guy hasn't been practicing at, at a yeah. level. It's <laughs> yeah. just—it sucks. It sucks because Dillingham, right? We're talking about program builders. Dillingham with the cards that that cat got like a like a five and a and an eight offsuit, right? And yeah. he made the lead. He pushed a couple people out of the table with it, which is really darn impressive. But at the end of the day, like th- this team is on fumes. And I'm excited to see what Dillingham does with them next year. I actually think he's been a good coach. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, anything else to say on this uh, this game? Uh, McMillan had himself a game. 266 yards receiving on 11 catches. I'm curious to see who Arizona plays. Because, man, like, we're, we're getting real... Um, uh, USC Lane Kiffin. Remember they threw that to the that one wide receiver? He had like 300 yards per game, and, and the guy didn't throw it at anybody else. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm getting massive vibe, and we've talked about this a little bit in terms of McMillan, and, and the thing is he's so good against... Uh, oh, yeah. He, McMillan is so good, but if he plays a good secondary, I don't think those numbers pop as much as they, they have this whole... No, year, no. So. I mean, like they took advantage of ASU for sure. I mean, I would say with... <clears throat> I will say about Fafita, he can get, it was, it was, um, oh God, what was his name? He's now at Rice. Where you throw, where you throw to Amon Ra St. Brown all the time. The JT Daniels. Yeah. Wasn't that it? Anyway. So, yeah. Um, no, I'm talking old school, like Lane oh, Kiffin. old school. Yeah. Like Lane Kiffin vibes where it's just the one. I mean, he anyway, can, yeah. he can get a little bit of like tunnel vision on McMillan. Um, but he also distribute. He also like for the most part though, like does distribute the ball around more. Like Montana Lemonius Craig has gotten the ball a whole lot more since Fafita took over. Um, but you're right. I mean, like whenever he's in trouble, he immediately looks for McMillan. And if he, if McMillan is even slightly, even like a little open, he gets the ball. 
That's right. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to ASU and what they're able to do to pick the pieces up next year. I think they'll be more healthy. Rashad gets well, another. We should also say, like, I hope. I mean, like Arizona is in line if the Pac-12 sends somebody to the playoff for a really good bowl. Um, you know, and I think potentially. I mean, I'm excited to see who they draw. Uh, in the bowl and who they get to play because this is a really good football team and like bowl practices for a young team are going to be important. And like, I, I like th- this, this should be a fun one. Like they might draw somebody really fun and, and, and do the back 12 proud. Yeah. Right now I saw Oklahoma, which would be totally interesting. To which me. would be and I think a, the line would- a great game. That is a tough draw. Oklahoma is actually pretty good, but hopefully Jeff Levy is long gone. <laughs> and they're having yeah. to like fill in <laughs> with like, well from here and from college football, but <laughs> one can dream. <laughs> um, Colorado 17, Utah 23. I'll be, I'll be frank. I didn't watch this game. I was just like, ah, eh, whatever. And I, I really did think Utah was going to run all over Colorado and props to, to see you for keeping the game close. I mean, that's the only thing I have to say about it really. I mean, Utah did run for like 268, but it was on like, I mean, and some of these of course are sacks too, but like that was across 53 carries. Um, but they were down to their, you know, emergency quarterback after Bryson Barnes apparently had the flu and Nate Johnson announced he was entering the transfer portal. So Luke Bottery, I have no idea how to pronounce it. I didn't watch the game either because I was like, I'm not watching this. This is, (laughs) I'm not watching, I'm not watching, you know, fifth string Utah against like whatever's left of Colorado because like Shadur Sanders had like a cracked back, like Jesus. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) At the same time, Ryan Staub for Colorado or whatever, I'm like, oh, man, whoever their backup is has to be like me playing quarterback. And, you know, 17 for not, 17 yeah. for 2,400, no picks. Like, right. got a touchdown. Good for him. Good for he him. actually played reasonably well. Um, they yeah. couldn't run the ball at all. Of course, Utah's got a really good run defense. I mean, you're at, I mean, the Utes finish at 8-4, and four, you know, like uh, another, you know, like, I mean, I, I know that a lot of Utah fans um, – you know, one of the three Pete, you know, on the Pac-12 this season. But honestly, like a good, I mean, I think given the injury luck they had, like eight and four is pretty good. And, and yeah. for a conference, not only do you have bad injury luck, but the conference is just better than they were last year or the year before too. Absolutely. Yeah. It was another good year for Utah. Um, Whittingham, no grumbles of him. I really think them winning the conference, uh, like was it two years ago? Like yeah. revived, his, not revived his career. His career was already like Hall of Fame career, but I really think that that because you heard, oh, you know, maybe Whittingham to USC or maybe he just hangs it up and maybe he's and and they won and they won again. And I feel like that has extended his tenure at Utah, which is great because he's such a good coach and I yeah. don't want him to retire. Yeah. Um, and, and I get it. Like, you know, if, if you have a family and you've had a grind forever to do this, like at some point it wears on you when you're successful, but you're not. You know, you don't think you're going to get to the playoffs. So I, I just think it's it's great. So good for him and what he's been able to, to do at Utah. Uh, finally, the Apple Cup, Washington 24, Washington State 21. This game was was close. The, like the, this, this game could have gone the other way, man. <laughs> <laughs> this game was so dumb. <laughs> Look, Washington does not play close games. Or I'm sorry, does not play blowouts. That They do not um, in, in conference. We both. Not, went- since, not since they played Oregon. They've they've been a very different team. Yep, they've been. Um, uh, we both had Washington State. Um, I, th- I think there's a couple interesting parts here. If Washington State could run the ball with any any uh, sign of life, I think this game is different. 
if uh, uh, if Washington State um, connects on a couple passes, this probably this game is different. And then for me, this is this is why you pay Kalen DeBoer. That reverse to Rome, uh, Roma oh, Dunze yeah. was the sick. Like th- this is why, like Rob, when you and I talk about like goal you know, goal line offense or you know a red zone offense, and we complain. We can play because this is possible where you have a creative play caller that pulls right. something out. It's executed well and it wins and it fools it, everyone. The cameraman was fooled. And what I love is like they had a, they had an end zone shot of that play and you see Michael Penix like, you know, crouched over with the ball and he's about to then toss it to a Dunze and he tosses it to a Dunze and there's like these two Washington state defenders and it's like zoomed in enough so you can see their faces and it's just like, <laughs> oh no oh no because <laughs> like, you can see them as they're going this way and then <laughs> oh it's that, like when it was such a beautiful play call that i said i wasn't even I, I literally jumped out of my seat and said what a beautiful play call not like and not oh wow washington won the game it was just so uh, it was just great i mean just a really really good uh good pull out of the bag of tricks um i don't think you know we we talked about this beforehand Penix has looked off um for a while and for yeah. and for me the thing that was interesting now now there were some excuses because of um because it was wet and cold in Corvallis for the wide receivers but the only cat on that team that could catch a pass was Roma Dunze. And I just, we talk about the three NFL wide receivers. A Dunze like yeah. is, is just straight up one of the best players in the country period, regardless of position. Right. The other two guys have really melted away in the last couple weeks, uh, drop passes. I know that I think it was McMillan that's been hurt, but it's been bad. Like I just, like it's not that triple threat that you've seen in the past. I think some of it is because you know it's it's likely that um, uh, that Penix is injured, but the other two wide receivers have not been carrying the same water that uh, that Odunze has. No, I mean it's a far cry from where they were last year, where it was like a three-headed monster, right? And like you know, if you're gonna, you know, the the argument could be like, oh, give the Blitnikov to Blitnikov to any of them, and <clears throat> it's Odunze and and some guys that are having an okay year <laughs> yeah mcmillan five for 26 i mean uh i don't think i think polk was hurt or if he was hurt he had no uh, like he had four targets polk was in this game and just had no yards yeah i mean they were talking about it on the broadcast like he just disappeared in the game the, the i mean one- and truly too i mean like i mean washington state's defense is at 40 overall in beta rank right like you know, their and their offense is at fifty four. I mean, this was a, this was. I mean, watch. I mean, nothing's going to top the ASU game for bad Washington games, but this was pretty close. Um, you know, this is a really bad game. I mean, like in particular, I mean, if you look at like since they played, Oregon and Washington have had a lot of common opponents, and Oregon's blown everyone out by a larger margin by a lot. And the only one that's been close, like that Washington, Washington beat USC by 10, Oregon beat them by nine. Um, and every other game, Washington's been closer than you would have expected. And Oregon has just blasted people. Um, and that's where, like, I mean, and I, I have some Washington, 
fans that are on me because among like like everyone else i've got oregon rated higher than washington right now and i've got washington falling back from the pack i mean versus teams that they've beaten this year i mean like i've got them neck and neck with oregon state in the model but i've got arizona ahead of them i think arizona would beat washington if they played this week yeah um you know like they're just not they're just not the same team and you know like a lot of people have hinted about it like i mean is Penix really injured I think so. Look at look at look yeah. at his play. I mean, he's still good. This this is the thing with him. He's still so good that he's able right. to connect on just these dimes. But what he was able to do earlier in the year versus what he's been able to do now is completely different. And which is a bummer because like I want I want Washington, Oregon, like with the best players on the field healthy, and it doesn't look like that's the case. The one thing I would add though is Dylan Johnson has finally started to revitalize the running game, which I think is a really yeah. important. And, and I think you've seen DeBoer open that up more given the problems that they've had in the passing game. He's been off too. Like Penix has just missed throws. Like the timing is off on some of these things. Like I just, he's not the same player he was Yeah, like flipping over to Washington state, man, y'all got to get a, a running game. Like, I mean, it's just how many games have we watched where it's just like, Oh my gosh. I mean, and it's not like Watson, look, Watson isn't, awesome um he gets out in the open field and he's not juking anybody out of their shoes he's going to lower his shoulder and try to truck you over but i mean he was 11 for 64 and that's one of the best games i think he i've seen him play (laughs) yeah you know at some point ward can't just throw to to victor and um and riley and kelly basically all game and which i which worked in this game by the way but you know for them for them to get over the hump to get to a bowl, they really need to be able to run the ball a little bit more. I was really disappointed in that, but um, they got pressure on Penix. I thought the defense played well. I thought this is a great game um, from the Cougs with what they have. Um, you know, anything on them as, as we move to the end of the season, I'm really bummed they don't make a bowl. I mean, they're, they finish at 46 overall in beta rank, which isn't bad. Um, you know, I mean, they're that's on the wrong side of the middle of the power five, but um their their offense finishes at 54. I mean, they just really struggled offensively. Um, you know, this year. And I'm I'm just I'm interested to see. I mean, look, I'm I still think Arbuckle might work as a play caller. I'm just I'm I think I'm out on Cam Ward. Like I I just am. He threw two picks in this game. Um when he was on. Yeah, I mean, he if he doesn't on. throw the if he doesn't throw pick, like they probably win. Yeah. But at the same time, like he he's he is a in, in this game, he was a a less uh, cocaine addled Jaden Delora. Um, I'm not saying that Jaden Delora does cocaine. It's more just like, <laughs> just be very just like clear. that's what that's what it's like watching Jaden Delora. Yeah, that's right. It's just to be very clear. Um, but <laughs> it, is, it is just a lot. Just a lot of it is like it is. It's like like doing a lot of cocaine and then like going and like to like an arc, like a Dave and Buster's and playing like a race car game. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. what it's like. That's right. <laughs> so Ward was, was like that, but you know, at a 50%, uh, you know, 50% right. <laughs> in this game. So like he single-handedly kept them in the game. He had some dimes. He had some really like, not even dimes. I wouldn't say dimes, but like frozen rope throws right where they needed to be. That's a better uh, description of it to, yeah. uh, to, uh, to Kelly and to Victor. But um, at the end of the day, they didn't quite get it done. Uh, anything else on the apple cup before we talk uh, about the championship? No, I mean, I, I'm just, it, it is about, I mean, like before, as we turn the page to the championship, I mean, it's just, it's like Washington's offense has fallen all the way down to 15 overall in beta rank. Like it's ah, a bummer. Yeah, that sucks. That sucks. 
I was so excited to watch them this year and I'm glad that they gave me like half the year. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I'm glad, right. The biggest, the biggest thing with Penix, which, which you disagreed with and I didn't know enough about, so I wasn't piling on was, Oh, he's injury prone. What, what is he going to be? Yeah. Right. And I think it's great that he showed you what he could be when he's healthy and he shows you that he can still be a really strong quarterback when he's injured. And that's awesome. So, yeah. I mean, there's a little silver lining to that cloud. Um, all right. Let's talk about the Pac-12 championship. Let's talk about a couple other championships and let's do it right after this. All right. We're back. We're talking. Let, let's let's do it. Let's, number six, Oregon. Like it's number four, Washington. Pactual championship in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Um, not impressed. If you're going, like, just let's set expectations. You're in Vegas, and that's great. But you are in like the corporate structure that is Allegiant Stadium, where there's nothing. <laughs> there's not a single charming thing about it. You are you are going to watch. You will watch football, and you will watch football in a seat, and it won't rain on you. And that's that's all you can expect at Allegiant Stadium. Washington is a nine point underdog. Opened at eight at Circa, popped up to yep. nine and a half. It's back down to nine. That's it's a lot of it's a lot of points, but we just talked about There's how Washington's starting to fizzle a little bit. What do the numbers say here? This is rough, man. The um Baderink has this like it's number one Washington, like or I'm sorry, number one Oregon. Like or nobody in the country has been playing better than Oregon down this backstretch. Like they have been phenomenal. Um, and yes, they have, they have done it to some bad teams. They also absolutely blew the doors off Utah at Utah. Um, they look really good. So they're number one overall, they're number two overall on offense. And crucially, like they put up a number above two in beta rank, which is like what I call like a big offense, like the era of big offense. Like they are right behind LSU overall offensively. Um, they're at number one in drive efficiency. They are excellent at putting together long drives to put up points. They're number two on explosive drives, number four on play efficiency, three on negative drives. Um, they're at number 19 overall in effective rush. So they're only pretty good at running the football, but they're at number one in effective pass. Like we talked about, like they have put together an amazing passing game. Will Stein is a finalist for the Broyles award, fully well-deserved. They're putting up this season just in raw points, 3.84 points per drive. That's nuts. Um, This Washington team is at 16 overall in beta rank. Um, Defensively, they're at 32 uh, right now, which they have been improving. Like, I mean, I've given Washington a lot of flack for their defense and they started out and we're kind of hovering in the 40s for a good chunk of this season. Um, For them to be at 32 does show improvement over the year. But that's still a middle-of-the-road Power 5 defense. Um, They are susceptible to big plays, 39 overall. They are not good at generating three and outs and turnovers, number 55 overall in negative drives. Um, And 33 in effective rush versus 41 in effective pass. That's worrisome, I think, coming into this game. Now, you flip it around, Washington offensively is at 15. They really struggle with drive efficiency. They're at 38 overall. Um, you know, Penix's completion percentage has been a bit down over the back half. They're number six in explosive drives, though. They definitely rely on big plays to put up points. <clears throat> They're at 104 in effective rush and number four in effective pass. Now, Oregon's defense has got crept up into the top 10. They've been improving, too. Number nine overall. Um, they're very good at drive efficiency, finding ways to avoid giving up long drives, finding ways to take advantage of the 
usually good field position they get from their offense and not give up points. Um, but they are a little more susceptible to giving up big plays, number 18 overall in explosive drives. Um, now they are number four in effective rush versus 19 in effective pass. So they are this this is a bit of a tougher matchup for the Ducks given that their secondary is not the strong. I mean, like they have a really, really good front seven against the run, um, but that's not going to do you much good against Washington. Yep. <laughs> so it is now the, the other like, you know, and just pure naive spread. It's Oregon by 21, um, but the predicted score is Oregon 37 and a half to Washington 24 and a half. So I, I versus nine points. I still like the Ducks. Yeah. I, I want to take Washington. The, the worry is, so I'm with you because Washington isn't going to run. Um, Washington will pass. My big worry is that Rona Dunze just like, just keeps single-handedly keeps this game because I don't trust the secondary for Oregon. I really don't. But yeah. there, there are two things that they really give me pause on this because no, when I first saw it, I'm like, okay, but it's the fact that the other two wide receivers just have not been solid. I think in the last couple of weeks yeah. and I think Penix is hurt. And then when you flip it around, I do not trust Washington's defense at all. And I think that Oregon's <laughs> going to just score and score whichever way they want, whether it's on the ground or through the air. Bonix has been excellent. Bonix has not thrown. I, I do think some of the secondary for for Washington is actually decent, and I do, and I'm with you, Rob. I really think their defense is improved, but I don't think it's yeah. improved enough to be able to stop Oregon right now. Um, no. if, if this was like, I don't know, I'm trying to think, like not even USC, but there are other teams in the Pac-12 or other teams where if they played Washington, they'd be like, oh, the the defense is improved, like they have an op- they have an opportunity. Right. I just think that Oregon's on a totally different level. No, I mean, I'll, I'll. Yeah. I'll Mm-hmm. Well, we talked oh, about say, I'll lay him. Oh, you get to you. Like yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, it, it makes me a little bit nervous. Um, but this is not the Washington team. I think that, um, this is not the team that Oregon loses to. I don't think Oregon's going to win the title. In fact, whatever matchup they have, if they make the playoff, I think will be really tough, but Washington isn't a complete team. And I don't think their offense, if, if it was a hundred percent, Washington offense, I think this game is a lot closer, but the line shows that yeah. Vegas doesn't think it is. And I told, I agree. I, I, mean, I, agree. I think this Oregon team could win the title. And I think they've got it, particularly if they draw like Michigan, if they were to draw Michigan in the first round, that's a real good draw for them. Like, cause Michigan's not going to test them in the air. Like this Oregon, that's like right. that, that Oregon front seven against Michigan. I like that matchup for Oregon. Um, and I like the ma- I like the matchup of Oregon's offense against Michigan's defense too. Um, Georgia might be a little bit tougher. They're getting it going a little bit offensively, particularly throwing the football. Um, but I like, yeah, I mean, we talked about, and I, I had Washington fans absolutely jump down my throat a couple weeks ago for saying this, but it's freaking true this defense isn't good enough for where their offense is playing. And that's the problem for Washington. Their offense is not playing at an all world level. This defense was never like, I mean, even as they've improved, they've improved to middle of the power five. They need the op. The offense has to be the full on, you know, engine that can drag the whole train up the mountain. And they have not been that, um, in the second half falling all the way down to 15 overall is is, is bad. I mean, for this team, right. I mean, they've continued to win, um, you know, and I think that 
I think that, I mean, like that matters. I mean, congrats. Like if, if this were the old days before conference championship games, like Washington would be like, you know, heading to the Rose bowl, <laughs> you yeah. know, with hopefully some time to, you know, like get Penix more healthy. Yeah. Um, but those days are gone and you know, you're also not, I mean, I think, I mean, now the PAC 12 champ South, South champ would have been Arizona. And I think Washington would lose to Arizona right now, but like you're going to get an Oregon team that's rolling. Um, and truly, you know, I think you can make an art. They lost the game, but I mean, Dan Lanning kicks like a field goal <laughs> and, and you're talking about a different game, right? Like, um, and I don't think I just, I, I like, I, I think this is going to be, um, and I do think even like there's a lot of cocky Washington fans or a lot of, I mean, a lot of Washington fans I think are, are upset like that metrics don't like the team and that Vegas has them as such an underdog to a team they've beaten. Um, I don't know that this is going to be a very fun watch unless Oregon turns the ball over a couple times. Right. Or Penix just has like a, you know, a huge game that he hasn't had since the first half of the season. And look, the good thing if you're a Washington fan, you win and you're in the playoff. Like they can't kick you yeah. out. Right? Yeah. Right. So <laughs> like, I mean, all the, the ugly, all the ugly wins won't matter one bit. You are an undefeated Power Five champion who just beat a really good Oregon team again. Congratulations, right? Like yeah. so, like no matter how you, no matter how ugly you manage to pull this off, if you do, it counts. <laughs> Yep. You can't blame the numbers if you, if you win, like you just, you just get in. I mean, power numbers are power numbers and and the models are the models. Like you win 11 games and you beat good teams and you're in, that's what happened to TCU. And um, I I think this, to be fair, I think this Washington team is better than, well, I don't know. Like, so can you, can you do a little, uh, can we take the Pepsi challenge? What would the model say between this, this, um, are you, you want to know? Yeah, we can, this is knowable. I mean, now with the caveat that, you know, years are not fully comparable. Oh, cause of the, the, the rule changes, <laughs> but well, no, I mean just not because of the rule changes, but just because like you're, you're always, you're always measuring against basically like the average team, if you will, is what the scores came out, come up against. Um, but let me pull up TCU in 22 Washington. In 20. This is actually probably really close. It's a toss up. there we go um tcu was at 12 last season washington's at 16 currently um and this would be 50 percent win probability to either team on a neutral field um i mean and look i mean like and again like washington if panics i mean like this is pure conjecture but i think it's I, i can't come up with anything else if Washington has a healthy Penix, this is a very different story. They're a much better team than last year's TCU team. I do think if Washington were to squeak out a win here against Oregon, um, you can maybe do that once. You you would get then just absolutely obliterated in the playoff by somebody. Like, as TCU did, right? Like, as TCU did, like, eventually you run out of luck and you just, sometimes you hit, you hit a steamroller named Georgia or, you know. Yeah, that's right. But hopefully it's a good game. I mean, I think it'd be great. Like, if Washington went undefeated yeah. with all this stuff, it'd be such a good story and and good for DeBoer. Hopefully he learns his lesson and hires a defensive coordinator and really, you know, beefs up that side of the ball. I just um, don't want there think- to be, like, any dumb conversation, any dumb, like, if Oregon wins, any dumb conversation about whether Oregon deserves to be in. 
<laughs> like, oh yeah. I, I know like I know they've been like hovering around like I don't want it to be like if it's because if Florida State win I mean oh god like if Florida State wins and Texas wins, right? Like it's I'm gonna make a lot of money. Right. I, first of all, I'm gonna make a lot of money. I got twenty to one and twenty five to one, but <laughs> so like if Florida State wins and Texas wins, um you know, it is possible Oregon like and, and we're assuming Michigan wins, right? And Georgia, I mean, Georgia's not favored by Are a we, lot. We, but, we'll get to that. But we'll I mean, that but if Georgia, like, I mean, let's let's be honest. The SEC champion is it, right? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, if it's, I mean, if it's comes down to like Oregon versus Texas, I mean, like maybe they pull F an undefeated FSU out. Now they're not favored by a lot either. Um, and undefeated FSU out, like that's where it gets tough. Cause like that Texas team, they remember that. I mean, they have that, you know, win on the road against Alabama. Um, yeah. Oh. You think, you think Alabama has any shot if they lose? You can't put a two no, win Alabama. No, if they lose, Alabama, they have no right? shot. Yeah. Not this year. I mean, cause like you'd have, you'd have Washington with one loss who also lost their conference championship game, right? Like, I mean, the dumb thing is, is like, I mean, I do think people are like, I mean, I do think it's correct. Like, I mean, I do think if, if Bama wins, they're in. Like, it's, I think that's just the way it's going to work. Like, I mean, if you only have one loss, it's to Texas and you manage to come in here and you've been playing better and you beat Georgia, like, I, I, I can't, like, I don't have them in the, like, I think I've got them at nine currently. And I think that's fair. Cause I don't think the sec is all that good. And plus you just played Auburn <laughs> neck and neck, <laughs> but I do th- like, I think the, uh, I like, I, I just, yeah. Like, I mean, it's clear cut for the PAC 12 if Washington wins. It's less so for Oregon. That's a bummer. Cause like, I, <clears throat> I don't know. Like, I don't think FSU should go in with Rod- Rodemaker, Rodemaker. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of the other games here that we have coming up. So, um, I'm I'm fascinated by the Big Ten title, right? So it's Michigan against Iowa. I mean, you know, all the Iowa jokes, um, you know, let, let them all flow. But this line is 23, Rob. Yeah. And Iowa plays defense, and Michigan doesn't play passing offense. I'm curious what the numbers say, like, about this matchup, because I, I saw that line, and I went, and it went up. It started, I think, at 22 or 22 and a half. Right. Popped to 23. I know Iowa can't score, and I know Michigan has a good defense. But, I mean, Iowa plays real good defense, and I've watched some Michigan, like, they're fine, but they don't have an offensive juggernaut either. What what do the numbers say about this Big Ten matchup? So, Baderank, you know, it's number three versus number 55. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) okay. So, look, the naive spread, which tends to be high this year because it's based off of, you know, like, uh, spreads... um, you know, game differential point differentials from years past before the rule change has it at 25. Um, now this is the number six offense versus the number five defense. Um, you know, Iowa is at number 13 in effective rush. They're at number three in effective pass. They, they are number one in the country at containing, uh, explosive drives. Um, they just don't give up big plays. They force a lot of three and outs. Um, you know, Michigan's defense is at number eight. Iowa's offense is at number one twenty-four. I mean, it's hideous. Hell yeah. Um, but this Michigan, you know, this Michigan offense, you know, even though they're sitting at number six, like they're 
like versus LSU, they're only like 70% of what LSU is offensively. So there's a big gap between they are where they're at or where Oregon is. Um, and so the, the projected score for this game is actually closer to third. It's like to Michigan 23.13 to Iowa 10.61. Um, you know, like not a lot of possessions, you know, very low scoring. I don't think Iowa does much of anything. I think my, my concern, um, and Iowa has managed to squeak it out anyway, is, is that they just have horrible field position all game. And you give Michigan enough opportunities with horrible field position and they're going to score some points. Um, but I think, I mean, I do think Michigan run tries to run the ball and I think like that'll kill some clock. I, I don't like it versus like 23. I like, I, I like Iowa at that number. The total is 32 and a half. <laughs> like, I mean, when you have a total, look, I, I know how much Iowa's offense just sucks. You have a total that low. I do not trust Michigan's offense. I just don't. Um, I gotta, I gotta take the, I gotta take those points. I mean, it's, it's more than three touchdowns against one of the best defenses in the country that tends to get stupid picks. Like, they're gonna just get, get stupid a t- like, I feel like they're gonna get some dumb turnover, right? Like they're like, and get some dumb, like, and, and look, I mean, even as bad as Iowa's offense is, like, they're still like, Iowa's likely to somehow produce a touchdown in this game and Michigan probably doesn't cover if they do. Let's let's move to the Big 12 here. Oklahoma State. You talk about lucky teams. Holy smokes, man. No, Oklahoma State. It look, the guy just wins. Like he just does. <laughs> I mean like it doesn't matter who you have. And I think that's really impressive. Um and just like going up against Texas, like the fact that Oklahoma State is in the title game here is just I mean and they had an easy schedule and I get that. But I mean we we were throwing out like the coach's kid at quarterback, right? They were like juggling. It was just <laughs> such a bizarre, such a bizarre year uh, for Oklahoma State. They come in as a fourteen point dog against Texas, a team that looks like they're getting their act together. Yeah, they play down to a couple teams, but it looks like Sark. I mean, they stomped on Texas Tech. Like yeah. they made a statement in that game. What do the numbers say here? So man, Texas lucked out too because if Oklahoma State loses. Texas has to play Oklahoma. Oklahoma's probably favored in that game. Um, (laughs) So Texas gets their number 10 overall in beta rank. Oklahoma state's at 48. Um, Offensively, Texas is at 28. Now they've, they had a significant amount of time, you know, where yours is out in there. Um, They really struggle with drive efficiency. Currently they're very dependent on explosive drives at number 20 overall. Um, 27 an effective rush versus 32 an effective pass. Again, with yours, I think they're much closer to 10 as an offense than um, where they are currently. Um, now, the Oklahoma State defense is, is decent. They're at 33 overall in beta rank. They're at number three in effective rush versus number 104 in effective pass. Texas should just throw the football. Just throw the football. You've got yours back. Don't mess, like Don't mess around. These guys are really susceptible to giving up points in the air. You flip it around, Oklahoma State's offense is at 57 overall in beta rank. They absolutely struggle at drive efficiency. They're at 121 in drive efficiency. Just calling that one out because it's such a big number. They're at 77 in effective rush versus 43 in effective pass. Um, This Texas defense under Kwiatkowski is at number four overall in beta rank. They're at number two in effective rush versus number nine in effective pass. 
Beta rank has has the predicted score here as 37 to 19, 37.23 to 19.54. I, I like the horns. Like I just, this is a Oklahoma state has no business being in this game. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Um, okay. Let's move to the ACC real fast. Uh, number 10 Louisville takes on number five, Florida state total bummer. With um uh with a quarterback going out with Florida State, they have the backup in. Still a two and a half point favorite. This is kind of hard to cap. I'm kind of putting you on the spot, right? With an injury, like you know, obviously the model doesn't see that. So right. we can skip this one if you want and go to. No, SEC let's talk or- about it because I mean, like it opened at about where Bearing had it. Um, huh. <clears throat> you know, which which um. There's only so much you can do. <laughs> I mean, so it's number nine uh, in beta rank Florida State versus number 20 Louisville. Um, it's the number 19 offense in beta rank for Florida State. They're at number 11 in effective pass versus 45 in effective rush. That's probably your biggest concern right now, I would say, if you are, um, you know, a Florida State fan or looking to bet the Knowles or <laughs> um, there, the Louisville's defense has been pretty good. They're number 18 overall in beta rank. They're number eight in effective rush versus number 34 in effective pass. So maybe Rodemaker is able to get it going in this game because they're, they are a bit weaker there, but don't re- don't expect Florida State to be able to show up and run the football terribly well here given what they've had all season. Now Louisville's offense is at number 22 overall. Um, their drive efficiency is at 32. I mean, this is a decent offense. They're at 23 in effective rush, 29 in effective pass. Um, but Florida State's defense has really made significant strides all season. I mean, and, and this is a good call because, like, their offense wasn't well, – that's mostly Jordan Travis data, and they were falling off a bit. This defense has really put it together at number six overall. Um, they're at number five in effective pass versus 20 in effective rush. Just something to keep an eye on there. Um, like, they're – they are much better defending the pass than they are against the run. So look to see if Louisville can get anything going on the ground. Um, but beta rank had this at 24.68 to 21.6.65 with Florida state. And again, that's mostly data with Travis in there. I, I like Louisville versus this number. Yeah. Jeff Brom. Great year. They had an easy schedule, right? right? Took advantage of it, but here they are in the in the championship game against Florida State with a chance to um, not go to the playoff, but do something. You right. know, if they're able to win. Uh, it'd be interesting to see again, like you mentioned, what happens to an undefeated Florida State if they win with a backup quarterback. That's just um, we'll see what happens on that front. And cross your fingers, Oregon fans. And then finally, the big game: Georgia, number one Georgia against number eight Alabama. One o'clock on CBS. Alabama is a six point. This this has moved up too. I think it started at five. Um, Alabama is a six point dog, um, against Georgia. I think Georgia's really good. I think yeah. Georgia's going to smoke Alabama. I, I think, um, I think, I don't know. It's just interesting. Milrow is not a perfect quarterback, right? You can see what happens. I don't think Tommy Reese is a great play caller. Yeah. The defense is good for Alabama, but George, how good is this Georgia team, uh, this year? Because they've kind of quietly just beat people right? and they haven't like dumped on people. It just seems like. And we talked about, I think at the beginning of the year, just how easy this Georgia schedule has been for the most part. Right. Now, I feel like Kirby Smart's just kind of like sleepwalking through and is going to just open the bag up from now until the rest of the year. Uh, you know, what, what do the numbers say about what Georgia's done so, so far? So Georgia's at two and Alabama's at 12. 
Um, George's offense is up at number three. They're only about 82% of as effective as like LSU or say Oregon is offensively though. Um, so they're, they're not over two um, on their overall beta rank score on offense. They're at number seven overall in drive efficiency. That's a really good number. They're very explosive. Number three in explosive drives. Um, now they're at number 15 in effective rush versus three in effective pass. That's something to keep an eye on here because the Alabama defense is pretty good. They're at number 12 overall. Um, now what they, they're at number four in effective pass versus 42 in effective rush. Um, so Georgia, which has not run the ball terribly effectively so far this season, may try to lean into it a little bit. Um, this is actually a little bit of a tough matchup for Georgia. Um, offensively, Alabama is at number only at number 18 overall. This is, you know, I, I don't, I did not understand Tommy Rees becoming a semifinalist for the, <laughs> the Broyles award. Um, but they are at number nine in effective rush versus 39 in effective pass. Now this Georgia defense is at number 11, but they're at seven in effective pass and only 27 in effective rush. Bama can run it and will. Uh, yeah. And uh-huh. um, I actually had this game like beta rank had this and I think it opened at four at circa. Um, I have this at, Georgia 33.59, Alabama 29.52. So just at four points. So when it opened at four, huh. I was like, huh. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if if Georgia is who Georgia is, then that makes sense. Yeah. I just I wonder if there's another gear there in Georgia that they've just been kind of cruising. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I mean, I can see it. I mean, like the part that I think would gives me gives me like, I mean, the part where I'm just like, oh, yeah, this makes sense why this is so close is because of Georgia's run defense, right? And that yeah. Bama's going to be able to likely run it. Um, I think Milrose just been like things have really opened up for them um, considerably. But Carson Beck has been really good this year. I mean, he's not getting anything like the publicity, of course, of Jaden Daniels or Bo Nix or Michael Penix. Um, but Carson Beck has quietly really put together a very, very good year. This is a really good offense. Um, <clears throat> now, he's... He's been really good, um, but if Georgia is able to run the football, that that's the other part. Like I mean, like they they haven't run the ball a ton. It's not their strong suit. They tend to throw the football. They've got Brock Bowers, of course, who's all world. <laughs> um, and like I said, like Beck's really figured it out. Um, but this Alabama team defends the pass really well. I I think Bobo can can switch it over and run the football if that's there. Um, and if Georgia figures that part out, like I think this, like they could pull away a little bit, but again, like Bama's, I mean, this is a good team. Um, and it, like yeah. I said, like Georgia's Georgia's run defense is not going to get any better, right? Like Alabama's, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's the worry. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Cause like the run defense is the run defense. You're not going to like pull out another bag of tricks. Right. The offense on the other side could, you know, maybe, but, Oh, that's really interesting. So you, you, Pop four and it ended up four. Okay. Yeah, I, right. I, I mean, if you was, give me five, I'm saying, take, oh, yeah, Georgia. If the number we have to pick against is like five or six, I guess I'm going to go with Bama. Um, but I mean, like, I'm, I'm probably a bit of a George. I, I it's a tough, like, Georgia turns the ball over at an unfortunate time. They could lose this game, right? I mean, and Alabama's going back to the playoff again with probably Nick Saban's worst team in a couple of years, right? Like, <laughs> 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 That's what he does. Um, all right. Well, we'll leave it there. All the champion, all the major championship games. Thank you for tuning in. Sharpcollegefootball.com, YouTube, Sharp College Football, Pac 12, uh, 12 Pack Radio, 
um, on any podcast catcher. Rob, we will catch you next week. It's going to be bowl season. I know it'll be, we'll be like talking through, talking through bowls. And then like, I mean, I'm assuming we'll have a USC defensive coordinator. There will be, um, more coordinator changes coming. And then we're going to come up on like the first signing day. And there'll be a lot more staff changes after that. Yeah. And, and we're not doing the bowl pool this year. I don't have time. Sorry guys. Like <laughs> I, I paid out like a month and a half. I, I did. I paid everybody in interest. So like, you know, if you, so if you didn't get paid right away, you got paid extra, Yeah, but I, I'm not, I just, I can't do it anymore. So, uh, uh, but we will keep track of the bowls. We'll talk about them and we will catch everybody next week.